following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. We apologise for the loss of the first few minutes of this sermon. If you'd like to pause now, um, you could read um, Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34, and then continue. Uh, the Chosen goes through the, the life or the ministry years of Jesus. And yes, it does take a lot of license with the biblical story. So if you're looking for a program that goes like word for word, exactly what Jesus says, it's not that. But still faithful to Scripture and really good at giving you an idea of what life was like in the time of Jesus and what life would have been like for the disciples. Just kind of takes you into uh, the history and the, and the context, the cultural context. So, and at the beginning of, I think it's chapter uh, season three of The Chosen, you have the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is preparing this big sermon and talking to Matthew about it. Matthew's recording it. Uh, so I thought, seeing as though we're working through the Sermon on the Mount, we might have a look at a clip of Jesus giving the Sermon on the Mount. It's a bit of a montage of lots of different parts you might recognize from the Sermon on the Mount, but includes this part that we're looking at this morning. So have a look at this. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than... They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. <clears throat> but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Hmm. So there you go. It really was just this passage, wasn't it? Uh, but there are, I think before or after that, a bunch of other uh, passages there that they bring out as well. It just gives you a bit of a view, doesn't it, of what it might have been like to sit there on that grassy hill that day and hear this from Jesus himself. It was a real message given by a real person at a real point in history, not just words on a page. Good to be reminded of that. So this passage that we're looking at this morning, verse 25 onwards, it really flows out of the passage that we looked at last week. So if you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to have a listen or a watch online of that message. We talked about money. We talked about the danger of the allure of money and, and uh, serving, trying to serve both God and money. It was a challenging passage, wasn't it, for me as well as you? And hopefully that's percolating away in your hearts. But what Jesus says now really just flows straight out of that. So we're broadly on the same kind of topic. We're in the same kind of area. And uh, this will hopefully dovetail in with what we talked about last week on the same sort of theme. In fact, at the beginning of this passage, you notice the very first word that Jesus says is, Therefore, 
Therefore, now whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, it's always a good idea to go back and see what it's there for. Right? It's a little rule. I know that's very, it's very cheesy. It's very cringy. But it actually works. It's very important. Uh, therefore, always going to point you back to what's come before. And so Jesus is saying, in view of everything that I've just said, in view of all I've just talked about, with treasures on earth and treasures in heaven and storing up and, and not serving God and money, now then how should we live? How do we live this out? How do we respond to this? How do we go forward from here? Therefore, he says. And what should we do? The very next words, I tell you, do not worry. Do not worry about your life. Such a simple statement, isn't it? Just so beautifully simple and yet unbelievably hard to live out. Is that right? This is just true for all of us. So the word worry... Uh, the Greek word, merimneo, uh, it, it can be used in a positive or a negative sense. This is quite important to, to figure out. That At its heart, the word means to have a concern for something, just simply to be concerned for, to, be, to, to care about. And so it can be used in a positive way. In fact, later in the New Testament, uh, the, the same word is used to talk about the kind of concern that we should have for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, to be concerned for one another, in a sense, to be worried for each other in a good way. You can have a healthy sense of concern, a healthy worry for each other. Uh, but in this sense, Jesus is using it in the negative, which has more the sense of anxiety, worry, to be obsessed with something, to be completely consumed with something, and to totally fixate upon that thing. And I think what the Word demonstrates is the way that we can so easily in our life drift from one to the other. That we can drift from this healthy sense of concern about something and tip into a space where it becomes toxic. Tip into a space where it becomes worry and it becomes anxiety. So Jesus is not saying to be reckless. He's not saying be irresponsible. He's not saying don't care about your life. Who cares if you've got a job or not? Who cares whether you can put food on the table or not? He's not encouraging us towards irresponsible living. It's not that. But what he's saying is it is so easy for us to start in this place of just having a healthy, normal concern about our lives and the things of life, and then to tip. To tip. We don't even see it happening sometimes. We don't even notice it happening. And then we tip into a space where it's worry and anxiety and focus. So we start by having just a healthy concern about money. And we just want to have enough to get by and just want a reasonable job. But then so easily... You know how this happens so easily. Then that tips over into worrying about money. And we worry about how much stuff costs. We worry about the cost of living. And we worry about inflation. And we worry about fixing our mortgage rates and how much that's going to hit us. And we worry about how we're going to pay the bills. And we worry about how we're going to get our kids through school, whatever. We worry and we worry and we worry and we obsess. It starts healthy and it ends up toxic. Same thing, we can, you can have a healthy concern for your, for your house and just have a, have a roof over your head and a place that meets your needs. And then so easily and so subtly, then it becomes, my house isn't big enough, uh, I need, we need more space, we need new staff, we need a better space, we need a better location, we need to be near better schools, we need a bigger backyard, whatever it is, and it starts healthy and it ends up toxic. It can be the same with our clothes that we wear, right? So you want to just have a healthy concern for your clothing so that you walk out of the house in some kind of decent state of dress in the morning, right? You've all done well there this morning. Um, but 
how easily can that tip over into some kind of unhealthy, I really, I really, 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 really need some Jordans. Grab some Jordans. All my friends have got Jordans. I need some Jordans. Everyone else has got Jordans. That may or may not be relevant to someone in our household at the moment. And we've got to have them very, very easily. It starts healthy and it ends up toxic. Same word can do both things. Now, what's the remedy to all of this? Well, here's where Jesus points us. And we have in this passage these beautiful word pictures. Some, I think some of the most beautiful imagery that we get in the Bible. Jesus says, look at the birds. And, and just, I mean, just imagine in your mind's eye for a minute. So Jesus is preaching outdoors. He's on the, the hill. I've been to this space just on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. These beautiful, lush, rolling hills. And people would have been, he would have been up, up, up hill and uh, looking out over the sea. So you would have been able to look around and see birds there. You would have been able to see the sparrows. You would have seen these birds flittering around. And so it's the perfect object lesson. And Jesus says, look at the birds. They don't need to, what does he say? Look at the birds. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. This is verse 26. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So Jesus is saying, just take a minute and just think about the birds. They don't, they don't need to go to New World. They don't, need a, they don't need to go to Countdown. Ain't no sparrow ever been to Pharaoh. You know, they don't need to go. They don't need to do this stuff. Now, again, Jesus is not saying that the birds are lazy, is he? I mean, I, I walked past, there was a little sparrow this morning in Kiwi Block. I think the Lord put him there just for me. As I walked through this morning, this little sparrow in there, just eating away on some crumbs that have been left on the floor. That's another story as to how the crumbs got on the floor. But the sparrow was just doing what sparrows do. He was working pretty hard, picking up that food, getting whatever he could. But there was that sense of like, the birds don't need to worry about all the stuff we need to worry about. And they don't have access to all the things that we have access to. And yet they know that there is enough for them. And they are provided for. They still work hard. It's the early bird that gets the worm. But they still have enough. And they instinctively know that there will be enough. And Jesus says, if God cares about the birds of the air, how much more will he care for you? See, he's arguing from the lesser to the greater. If he cares for the sparrows, how much more valuable are you than sparrows? Can you hear that? And then he says, Look at, the, look at the lilies, look at the flowers. Some of your translations say flowers, but the word actually means lilies. He's talking about a particular type of flower, the lilies. Israel, there's beautiful lilies there, all sorts of colors. And Jesus says, just have a look at the lilies for a minute. And people could do that, like they were sitting there listening to Jesus. Quite possibly, there were these lilies, flowers nearby. They could literally have looked over and seen these beautifully colored flowers right there in all of their glory. And Jesus says, just consider these lilies. Consider their beauty. He says, not even Solomon in all of his glory was dressed like one of these. Isn't it interesting? Jesus goes to the greatest king in the Old Testament. Solomon had more wealth than he knew what to do with. This illustrious, opulent life that he lived. And yet Jesus says, even Solomon, all of his wealth, all of his, all of his glory, all of his riches and his splendor, not even Solomon came close to the natural beauty of these lilies. And that's God given. That's God clothing the lilies, giving them their colors, helping them to grow, providing them with all that they need. And the line again is the same. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, 
which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Same argument from the lesser to the greater. If that's how God clothes the lilies, how much more will he look after you? Do you believe that? I think the problem is not that we don't know this stuff. We just don't believe it deeply. We don't let it go in. We'll all nod our heads and then we'll go off and worry, 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 worry about life. But Jesus says, if God looks after the sparrows, if God looks after the lilies, how much more will he clothe you? And then the stinger comes at the end of verse 30. You of little faith. That's the rebuke in the tail of this passage. You of little faith. Really, that's the problem. Our worry, all of our worry, all of our worry about all these things, our anxiety about life, it is symptomatic of a deeper issue, which is a lack of faith. It's our lack of faith in God. And faith just simply means trusting God. That's the deeper problem. That's the root cause of all this, is that we don't fundamentally trust God. We talk about trusting God, don't we? We talk about having faith all day long. We'll sing songs about faith. We'll talk about having this great faith. We feel like we've got this faith. We'll talk about my Christian faith. But we will go out there and we will fixate and we will worry and our minds all week long will go round and round and round and round and round our financial situation. Now, when that's how you spend your week, you can come in here on Sunday and say whatever you like, but it betrays a deep lack of faith in your life. See, underneath all of this, there is a conviction about who God is that is fundamental to grasp. And not just grasp, but experience, to really know. The foundation of all of this is to know God as your provider. That's how God wants to be known. Everything Jesus is saying here, it rests on this foundation. It's one of the names by which God's known in the Bible. Jehovah Jireh. That familiar to some of you? Jehovah Jireh. Comes back to that story, Genesis 22, of Abraham and Isaac. And God provides a ram. He provides the ram in place of Isaac himself being sacrificed. And Abraham names the place, the Lord will provide. There it is. And from that point, through the whole biblical story and on into today, God shows himself to be Jehovah Jireh. He provides for the sparrows. He provides for the lilies. He provides for you and I. He provides for his people. Just think about the times all through the Bible. Think about the Israelites in the wilderness. They were walking through the desert. They got grumpy. They got tired. They got hungry. They started to worry. And what did God do? He provides the quail in the first instance, even before you get to the manna. He provides quail. He gives them this, these birds. Just this massive tsunami of birds comes along, fit for eating. And so they've got all the food they need. And then they worry some more because they don't have enough water. And so God says, Moses, go strike your staff on the rock. He does that. Water gushes out. God provides. He is Jehovah Jireh. And then he gives them the manna because they keep worrying. And so God says, all right, it's going to rain cornflakes. And so all this stuff comes down. It's like these little flaky white things, little frosty flakes. They didn't even know what it was. Like the word manna, it literally means, what is it? That literally is the Hebrew meaning of the word. What is this? I don't know what it is. I've never seen anything like it. They didn't know what cornflakes were. But God says, I'm going to provide for you. And isn't it beautiful the way he did it? Just enough for today. Always enough for today. Except the Sabbath. You could get two days worth, so you rested. Other than that, every day. Can you see why Jesus said, give us today our daily bread? Just enough for today. God doesn't give you a week. doesn't give you a month. Sometimes it's just today. I'll give you what you need for today. So that he keeps his people in a state of depending daily upon him. You come through in the the Old Testament to the story of Elijah. 
There's a famine in the land, and Elijah's literally starving. And so the text says, God directs the ravens to bring food for Elijah. There's a little bird theme going on this morning. I love that story because ravens are the most selfish birds. They naturally, they're scavengers. They hoard for themselves. They'll even take food from other birds. And yet God takes these most selfish birds and he uses them to bring food to Elijah. Jehovah Jireh. And then he sends Elijah to the home of the widow of Zarephath. The famine's still going. This woman and her son, they are starving to death. They've got enough flour. They've got enough oil for one last small little loaf of bread. And Elijah says, well, you make that loaf of bread. Let's eat together. See what God does. And what do you know? God multiplies. And the Bible says the jar of oil never ran dry. The jar of flour never ran out. God just kept providing and providing and providing. And that miracle foreshadowed the miracle of the loaves and fishes in the New Testament, where Jesus takes five loaves, two fishes, gives thanks to God, breaks it, provides. God multiplies. Once again, God is Jehovah Jireh. Again and again and again in the Bible, we see God being exactly who God says he is, Jehovah Jireh, God, our provider. He says, if you don't believe me, I'll show you. And he shows them again and again and again. And he shows us all through scripture. And yet in our lives, we just still worry so much. You know, God is showing, him, showing us he can part the Red Sea. He can rain down manna from heaven. And yet we're still like, God, I know, I don't feel like I've got enough clothes. I don't think I've got enough shoes in the right color. I haven't got a PlayStation 5 yet. We're so worried about stuff. God says, just relax, will you? I've got this. I've got you. He is Jehovah Jireh. Just the promises through Scripture. God says, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. With honey from the rock, I will satisfy you. The promise of the New Testament in Philippians, that God will provide all of your needs out of his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He will do that if you trust him. We've seen it. Anna and I have seen it. We've experienced the provision of God in our life. I remember when we went to study in the U.S. and we arrived in Cincinnati on this bleak winter's day. And there was a pastor of a local church who picked us up. And we didn't know him at all. We'd had a little bit of correspondence, but we hadn't even decided which church we would go to. But he just wanted to be helpful. So he picked us up in his ute, took us to our apartment. He said, just on the way before we go to your apartment, I just need to quickly call by the church. So we went in there. And we walked into the foyer of this church, and in the corner of the foyer, there were all these boxes, and on, on the outside of the boxes were all just written, the New Zealand couple. <laughs> that was us. And it was all this stuff for our pantry, just all, all, all this food, it basically just stocked up our pantry, just about furnished our apartment before we even got there. Just the generosity of this church, didn't even know that we would be coming to that church, but the generosity of people, and we received it as the generosity of God, and he provided for us. Isn't it great, by the way, to think about the way that's kind of come full circle with the way we've been able to be generous to the Weathers in a different, different form, but the same kind of thing. Sometimes God will provide for you. Sometimes he'll use you to be the provision for others. That's just as important, and so be open to that. But we have seen it in our lives, just God providing, sometimes just exactly what we've needed, just at the time that we've needed it, God stepping in and constantly reminding us. Honestly, I don't have the faith that I wish I had. I'm no great example of this. I worry too much. 
I stress out over things just like you do. But we've seen, it's like God just keeps saying, what more do I have to show you? What more do I have to do? What more do you want to see? You've got a whole biblical story there. Look at your life. I've been so faithful. And yet so quickly we default back to worry where God says, I just want you to know me as Jireh. So would you come to know me as Jireh? We know him by all these other names, but would you come to know him as Jireh, your provider? That's how he wants you to know him. And so Jesus says, here's our response to all this. Here's the challenge to us. Verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom. God's kingdom, I think, is, is, a, is a big topic, a lot that could be said. The simplest way of thinking about God's kingdom is think about it the way God, Jesus described it in the Lord's Prayer. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done. Those two phrases go together. God's kingdom is wherever God's will is done. Simple as that. Wherever God's will is done on earth, like it is in heaven, that's the kingdom coming. Wherever God's will is done in your life, that's the kingdom of God coming about. Wherever God's will is done through you into the life of someone else, that's God's kingdom coming about and touching the life of another person with faith or hope or love. That's the kingdom of God. And Jesus calls us, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, his righteous character, his righteous life in your life. Seek first the kingdom. And in the context of worrying, it means that we just take all the stuff that stresses us out and we bring it to God and we say, God, I want to lift my eyes off all this stuff that is just weighing me down. I want to lift my eyes and place them on you. And I want to seek you above all things. Some of you know that story in the Bible of Mary and Martha. And Jesus comes into the home of Mary and Martha. And these two women have totally opposite responses to Jesus. Martha is running around like a headless chicken. She's run, and, and she's trying to do good things. Like she's trying to be a hospitable host. She's, she's trying to look after Jesus' needs, but she's just doing all the stuff and she's so preoccupied and she's so busy. And Jesus says to her, Martha, you are worried and anxious about so many things. That's exactly the same word he uses in the Sermon on the Mount, by the way. Worried, troubled, concerned. He says, Martha, you're concerned about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Just look at what Mary's doing. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she's just listening, and she's responding. She's looking up. She's focusing herself upon the Lord Jesus. I can imagine Martha being a bit miffed about that. Being like, well, I'm just putting the kettle on. You know, I'm just trying to actually make a decent meal here, Jesus. But the point is, not that these things are bad, but that we need to take our eyes off the stuff that is stressing us out and be willing to sit at the feet of Jesus. And I wonder for you, where there might be a few Marthas in the room today. You've maybe got that Martha kind of heart, running around, anxious, troubled by so many things. Jesus is saying to you today, one thing's important. One thing is necessary. You sit at my feet. You learn from me. Watch me. Look up. Look up to me. You look to me. Don't, doesn't mean that we just give up all the things we're doing necessarily, but it means shift your focus and set it on the Lord Jesus. Let me give you four practical things that you can do to seek first the kingdom because I know it's a big, broad, vague idea. Let me try and ground it for you. Four things. I won't linger too long on any one of them, but do you see if one of these resonates with you? <clears throat> the first is generosity. No, there's one before that. What is it? Prayer. <laughs> and then we'll come to generosity. Prayer. Simple but so important. I remember the other night, uh, lying in bed awake at about 3.30. Uh, some of you that are bad sleepers can 
resonate, empathise with me. And, and at, at, at 3.30 in the morning, everything's bad, isn't it? At 3.30 in the morning, even, even the best things are bad, and the little problems are huge problems. 3.30 in the afternoon, they're fine. 3.30 in the morning, it's a, it's a catastrophe. And so I was worrying about this particular situation, stressing out about this, and I just felt this prompting, which I, I trust and hope was the Holy Spirit, just inviting me to, to bring that to Him in prayer and just lay that down before Him. And so I started praying. And I thought in some ways, you know, that, I hope I can say this right, but in some ways, sleeplessness maybe is sometimes an unwanted gift because it can be an opportunity to pray and lift the concerns of your heart to the Lord. It's very much unwanted in the moment, but it was a time for me just to bring that stuff that was eating away at my heart to the Lord. And I just found myself saying, God, I look to you. God, I look to you. I look to you, God. I look to you. Just that line over and over again. That was, that was what got me through. And it eased my heart. And God reminded me, this is what we're called to do with our worries. The stuff that's stressing you out, the stuff that's sitting on you now, that's just creating some residual anxiety, would you turn that into prayer? Would you bring it before the Lord and just lay it down? Lay it down and then don't just keep focusing on it. Lay it down and then focus. pray, on, pray for something else. Pray for someone else. Sometimes we need to get out of our own heads, get away from our own stuff. But pivot to prayer. There's an old song that says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So true. Our problem is we add stress to stress and suffering to suffering because we stubbornly refuse to bring our cares to God. We just insist on slogging it out by ourselves and digging ourselves deeper into a hole by worrying ourselves into the ground when all the while God is standing there with open arms saying, just come to me, bring it to me. I'm here. My arms are big enough. My heart is open. Bring it to me and lay it down. So bring your worry and turn it to prayer before the Lord. Second thing, now it is generosity. One of the ways, I, I would say maybe the, the primary way that we can experience God as Jaira, as our provider, is to walk in generosity towards others. See, it's no good just to say, well, yeah, I trust God as my provider. He's going to provide for me. God, I believe you're going to provide, provide, provide. And over here, you are clutching onto your stuff with white knuckles. Like no one is going to get a cent from me. But God, I trust you to provide for me and I'm not letting go. If you want to know God as your provider, start being open-handed towards other people. Maybe tiny things. Maybe it's just buying someone's coffee this week. Maybe it's giving a voucher or something to someone in need. Maybe putting some money in the relief fund. Maybe donating to a mission organization. You, you decide before God what it's going to be. But when you step out in generosity, it is a blessing to the person or the organization that you are giving to. But you know what else it does to your heart, right? It takes that white-knuckled grip that you have over your own money and little by little, God just takes that pinky finger and he just pries it away. He'll just start with the pinky. And maybe once he's got that free, then he's like, okay, we're moving on. And the next finger. This comes through generosity, my friends. Step by step until we live not tight-fisted, but open-handed. We live empty-handed before the Lord and open-handed towards one another. Freely you've received, freely give. I say this with love, and I'm saying it to my own heart, but some of us here are just far too stingy. I see it in myself. We're just too stingy with our stuff, and we just clutch onto it. And God is saying, would you let what I've given flow through you? 
to be a blessing towards others. And I'll tell you what, if you're willing to walk in generosity, you will know God as Jehovah Jireh like you've never known him before. Because God will step in and say, as you release what I've given you, I'll provide for your needs. I'm not just going to stockpile you with a whole lot of stuff, God says. I'll give you more seed to sow. That's the point. I'll increase the seed for sowing. That's the promise of 2 Corinthians. It'll increase the seed to sow. You release it. You walk in generosity. God will provide for your needs. He'll look after you. But if you really want to know him as Jireh, take a step towards generosity this week. Third step is simplicity. We clutter our lives with so many things. Part of the problem of worry is that, I mean, it's just logical. The more stuff you've got, the more stuff you've got to worry about. Is that right? Like simple logic, people. More stuff you've got, the more stuff you've got to stress over. And we are so quick. Got to have the new thing, got to have the next thing. I think we need to learn some new vocabulary here. Here's a word to try out. Enough. Try that one this week. Enough. Don't need more. Don't need more. Or I don't need more right now. Don't have to constantly clamor for next thing, next thing, next thing. More stuff, more stuff, more stuff, more money, more money, more money. I can say, God, I have enough. I can be content with what you've given me. I have enough. What about these four words? This is even harder. Are you ready? I can make do. That's a tough one. I can make do. We are so quick to upgrade. Got to have the new, got to have the best, got to have the biggest, smallest, fastest, sleekest, next thing, whatever, because you see the person next to you, they've got it. Soon as the car starts making the tiniest little noise, got to get a new car. Might as well be a Tesla. So quick, eh? Soon as the, the pillow is slightly frayed, got to get a new bed. There's only one thing for it. Soon as the carpet starts to look faded, oh, got to get a new house. That's it. Time's up. We're so quick to upgrade, get to the next, get to the better. It's this kind of middle-class anxiety that sits upon us to constantly be keeping up with whoever we think we're supposed to be keeping up with and everyone else is trying to keep up with us, and it's just a farce. Jesus says, live a life of simplicity. Jesus lived a life of simplicity. Paul lived a life of simplicity. doesn't mean have nothing. doesn't mean give away all your stuff, but just check your heart. Do I need to upgrade right now? Do I need the new thing right now? Do I need new or can I live with second hand? Do I need the top model? Can I live with a couple of models down? Would you just check your heart? Look, you can't write policies for this stuff. It ultimately comes down to your heart before the Lord. But even to ask yourself the question before you just reflexively spend money and upgrade your stuff is a healthy process of discernment. So learn and try out those, those words, that vocabulary this week. Enough and I can make do. And finally, the discipline of gratitude. Uh, such a powerful tool as an antidote to worry. Because worry will always focus you on the future. What are you worried about? It will always be future-orientated. What does gratitude do? Brings you into the present. It brings you back to now. What do I have now that I can be grateful for? When you find yourself starting to stress out about what you have or what you don't have or what everyone else has, would you just start counting your blessings? Like literally. I know it sounds cliche. I know you're thinking of the old song, but it actually is such a beautiful discipline to build into our lives. Just count your blessings. God, I thank you that I've got a roof over my head. Thank you for my family. Thank you that I've got health in my body. Or if you don't, 
Thank you that parts of my body have got health. Whatever you've got that you can be thankful. Thank you for the good friends I do have. God, Thank you I can flick a light switch on and get electricity. I can turn on a tap and have running water. Thank you, God, just for the gifts that you have given me that I so quickly look past and look over because I take them for granted until they're taken away from me. But just thank God for the simplest and smallest everyday blessings that he gives you, and you might just find yourself starting to worry a little bit less. Well, in the early 20th century, there was a woman named Sevilla Martin. And she and her husband had some friends who had really poor health. The woman had been bedridden for about 20 years. Husband had a lot of chronic illness. And they lived just a really hard, hard life, constantly struggling, constantly limited by the sicknesses in their own body. And yet as Sevilla and her husband spent time with this couple and developed a friendship with them, they just found they were the happiest couple. They're so contented and just grateful and loving Christian people. And they, Sevilla and her husband talked to each other about how is this? How is it that this couple can have such contentment when their health is so bad? And one day Sevilla plucked up the courage to ask her friend about this. She asked this woman, how, how, do, you, how, do, you, how do you do this? How, how is your heart so open to God? How can you have such contentment in your life when your health is so poor, when your body's really giving up on you? And this woman said to her, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And out of that, she wrote that song, that beautiful song, His Eye is on the Sparrow. Now, it's become so well known. I'll read you a few words as we finish. Let not your heart be troubled, his tender word I hear. And resting on his goodness, I lose my doubts and fears. Though by the path he leads me, but one step I may see. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. May it be true for us. Amen. Jesus, we pray that you would come and make these words real in our lives. I'm so aware, God, that these are words so easy to, to hear and to know. But we confess, God, our lives are still so full of worry. We stress out about so many things, God, and we're consumed by the troubles and the cares of life. We're carrying them even now. And Jesus, just in, this, in the quietness of this moment, we want to give this to you. Just bring all of the things, God, that are weighing on our mind now, and we just lay them down. God, the things that are just causing us to get knotted up, Entangled up. God, we bring you the things that our minds just get stuck in a loop on. We, get, we give you the things that are causing us tension. We give you the things, God, that are just weighing just under the surface of our lives. We, just, we come to you now just in our hearts and minds. We just lay these down, Jesus, at the foot of the cross, and we just say, God, they're yours. We thank you for the invitation of your word that we can cast our burdens on you. We can cast our cares on you. We don't have to have anxiety about anything because we can cast our worries upon you, and we do that now, Jesus. We just lay it all down at your feet. Just lay it down, God, freely. And we know it's easy, still easy, to say these things, but Jesus, help us to keep laying these things down when the worry comes back. Tomorrow morning, we wake up and all our worries are still there. Jesus, would you help us then to lift up our eyes 
and look to you and seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And God, we pray that as we take steps towards you, that you would reveal yourself to us as Jaira. We thank you, God, you're our provider. Thank you that you care so much for us. Thank you, God, that your eye is on the sparrow. You care for the smallest little birds. You clothe the lilies of the field. How much more will you take care of us? God, help us to take this deep into our heart, deep into our lives, and just live out of that place of security, knowing that you are good, that you are loving, that you are gracious, and you and you alone are our provider, Jehovah Jireh. May we live out of that place, God. It's, it's a place of freedom. Free us, God, from being entangled to the worries of this life. Free us from being Martha and help us to be Mary. We thank you, God, that your eye is on the sparrow and you watch over us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shore Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shore Community Church, visit www.shore.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shore.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.